Though I had talked to him, shaken his hand, I could not with closed eyes shape his image. That through everything that followed, he remained as insubstantial as a shadow at my shoulder, the impression of a man and nothing more. How much of that was my fault, and how much could be put down to Deacon himself, I never would know. His life had depended for so long on his being average, on not being seen, that even if I'd studied him properly, really looked hard at him, it might not have made any difference. I wish I had tried. But that morning in September, I saw only one more gray old man in overcoat and hat, and I was busy. Chapter One England. I saw the world, and yet I was not seen. My thread is cut, and yet it is not spun. And now I live, and now my life is done. Chidik Tichborn, Elegy. Wednesday, September 13. Do you have the time? the voice asked at my shoulder. I hadn't been aware of the older man sitting beside me, but when I glanced up, he was there. Mentally, I registered the overcoat and hat, assessed the voice, an English voice, politely middle class. I glanced at the time display ticking at the bottom of my laptop screen. It's ten to ten. Thank you. He didn't comment on my accent. Some people did when they were making conversation, but this man said nothing. He had taken a seat a respectable two feet away, leaning forward with elbows on knees, gazing down at the taxis and cars passing by. Here for the trial, are you? he asked. How he'd managed to deduce that, I didn't know. I wouldn't have thought that my occupation was that obvious, but then maybe he'd simply been reading over my shoulder. I gave a vague, dismissive nod, not wanting to encourage him. The fact that I'd resumed my typing didn't put him off. A most interesting case, don't you think? He doesn't look the type, but then they don't always. Oh, please, I thought, not now. But it was too late. I could sense him settling in and getting comfortable, preparing for a chat. At any other time, that wouldn't have annoyed me. I found the trial interesting myself and didn't mind discussing it. After all, it wasn't very often we Canadians had something so sensational to follow involving one of our own. In this case, a Winnipeg dentist who was, the Crown argued, a serial murderer, having spent 15 years here in England methodically killing off strangers and assuming their identities, like a hermit crab fitting itself into one abandoned shell after the other, discarding them once they'd outlived their usefulness. The case was a hard one to prove, and we journalists were often found debating in the pub around the corner at the end of each day's testimony. But this morning, I didn't have time to debate. This morning, the jury, having been out two full days, was widely expected to come back with its verdict, 
and I, like my colleagues, was sticking as close as I could to the old bailey, waiting for word. It was a good morning for waiting outdoors. Late September in London has always been one of my favorite times of the year, when the sun that so often stayed hidden in summer could suddenly break through for days at a stretch, bringing just enough warmth to soften the edge of the chill morning air. I liked London, liked working in London. My very first foreign assignment, in fact, had been here, and I'd fallen in love with the city. The tangible history, the bustle, the pulse of the river, the endless arterial flow of its traffic through streets that smelled sharply of diesel exhaust. I hadn't been here in eight months, and I'd missed it. This current assignment, on that count, had come as a welcome surprise. Ordinarily, I wasn't sent to cover trials. I was only a business reporter, but I'd been covering the latest Bombardier deal in Paris.